Everyone's looking for a hero. Over the last couple years, since March of 2020, a lot of people have needed a hero, more so than ever. Um, We're seeing all kinds of illnesses. We're seeing all kinds of um, deaths. And coming from the insurance industry, the life insurance companies are starting to panic. 40% deaths and claims on life insurance policies in one year. 40%. But God. God has numbered the, man, the days of men and women. He has numbered their days. So going into 2023, I'm always looking for a new start. You can ask my wife. <laughs> I'm in desperate need of a new start every day. And the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is incredible. You talk about faith that stuck and faith that they had their eyes and their hearts locked on their Lord and their Savior. I'm going to read this real quick. Daniel 3, verses 16 through 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, Nebuchadnezzar, I'm going to just quick, quick overview. I'm sure a lot of you have heard the story of the big golden statue. And Nebuchadnezzar being one of the most famous narcissists that's ever been detailed out in the Bible. It was his way or no way. So he sets up this big statue. Bow down and you'll live, you'll prosper, blah, 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 blah. Three guys don't. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered Nebuchadnezzar, said to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar. Do you guys catch that? They didn't even address him as king. They addressed him by his first name. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Here's a pillar, one of the pillars of the Bible, guys. These three words, but if not... But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. And if you do a quick little thing in the verse 19, then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury and the expression of his face changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And he ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter. A little bit of a demonic fury going on? Yeah. The good guy, where was their their hero right then? Was he anywhere? In fact, the guys that led them up to the fiery furnace died because of the heat and the flames. (laughs) It's not a good sign. But God. Amen? Amen? Now let's come at this from a humanistic standpoint. There was a show in the 80s that I loved, The Greatest American Hero. You ever remember that guy, the William Cat, the nice blonde perm? (laughs) 
he found this alien spacesuit and he lost the instruction book. So the whole series was shown on him putting on the suit. He could fly, but he always crashed and he'd fly like some deranged pigeon through the air. Not really the hero that people needed or wanted, but he was there. He was the greatest American hero at that point. But here's the deal. with We love stories about good guys. We love stories about the hero coming in, saving the day. But there's a catch. We have to deem the hero to be good, number one. They've got to come at just our right time and save us from our circumstance. And they need to do it on our timetable. That's what makes them good. But there's a problem, though. The bad guys keep coming back. The bad guys keep landing a punch on our hero. And sometimes the good guy gets beat up, sometimes even killed. And that's a really cruddy end to the hero story, is when the good guy dies. Who wants a savior type of hero that can be defeated even once? Who wants that? Anyone familiar with the Lord of the Rings trilogy? Remember that Gandalf the Grey, then he turned into Gandalf the, the White? Check this out. <laughs> I saw this on Facebook. This thing kills me. A wizard. What does it say? A wizard is never late, nor is he early. He arrives precisely when he means to. And then you got this guy, the soldiers who died at Helm's Deep before Gandalf showed up. Where was he when they died? That is the true human hero right there. People judge the good guy by their own situations. If he's good to me when I need him to help me out of the situation I need help out of and saves me in the way that I believe I need saving, then and only then is he a good guy. And he's got to do it every time for me. Another little caveat there. And for those that are of this persuasion or line of thought, here's your buzzkill. If your God always does what you want, when you want, it's not the God of the Bible. Ouch. And to my shame, that is what I have wanted too many times in my life. Too many times. But God, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He will cleanse you from unbelief. He will cleanse you from trying to do things in your own strength and sinning, putting yourself on the throne of your heart where only he belongs. But here's the true hero. Jesus is never early. He's never late. He's always perfectly on time. Now, if you are familiar with the Narnia movies and the Narnia books, remember the first one, The Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe. The white witch would kill these animals and kill these creatures with her magic sword that would turn them into stone. 
And how were they brought back? All Aslan had to do, the lion, was breathe his breath on them, and he came back to life. Daniel again, Daniel 3, 17 and 18. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. And their very next statement, but if not, that shows that they're not putting their hope in this life. They're not putting their hope in the here and now, saying, oh Lord, if we go into that furnace, we are done for. No. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we won't serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up because our God is greater and can save me from whatever physical death you may have planned for me. King David put it best. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I heard a pastor really bring this home about what the shadow of death is. There was a grandfather with his grandson waiting at a bus stop in a city. It was a bright, sunny day. From four blocks down, they could see the bus coming. Grandfather says to his son, he gets closer, he says, hey, see that shadow of the bus on the ground? His grandson's like, yeah? He's like, look, it's going to hit those people on the sidewalk. And sure enough, every time that bus passed people on the sidewalk, the shadow of the bus hit them. And he felt his grandson's grip get a little more tighter and tighter in his hand until finally it came up and they were in the shadow of the bus. And the grandfather looked down at his grandson. Grandson looked up and said, hey, we're okay. He said, yeah. This is just the shadow of the bus. It's not the bus itself. The physical death for the believer who has placed their saving faith in Jesus Christ, it is exactly that. Death has no sting. Death has no victory. Because Jesus secured it at the cross. So these three friends, when they're sitting there facing the most, one of the most excruciating Ways to get killed. They have the boldness because their eyes and their hearts are firmly locked on their Savior. And you see there, who are they walking with in that furnace? Who are they talking with? And he walks with me and he talks with me in the midst of the hotter fiery furnace. <laughs> Jesus was walking with them. And he was talking with them. And they came out unscathed, and they came out without even the burn, without even like the, the smell of smoke on them. When we moved into our house in Wisconsin back in July of 04, we made a fire pit. <laughs> and I always had a proper way to light it. And for whatever reason, the wood was dry, but it would not light. It would not light. So, being the uh, <clears throat> guy that I am, a little bit of gas in the fire, very controlled. And I poured it out a good long ways, <laughs> took my aim aflame, I mean, Janet literally heard it from inside the house. And I was like, 
Whoo, that was fun. Won't do that again. That was my own fiery furnace. <laughs> but I came in smelling like smoke. And Janet was like, don't do that. <laughs> the three words a lot of husbands hear from their wives. Don't do that. These guys had their hearts and their eyes locked on the Most High God. Their faith was unshakable and immovable. Walking and talking with their hero in the hottest storm and fire of their lives. Now here's a question. Can you trust in the providence of God? Maybe more importantly, can you find peace, comfort, and joy in the providence of God? Even when he says no. Or when he says, trust me. One of these two ways to go when we experience trials and hardships if your trial or your suffering or your hardship is a result of your own sin or moral failure, you can't and shouldn't expect a miraculous rescue from Jesus. Now let me dig a little deeper on this. You've got to confess and you've got to repent. Then he will bring you through it. Does it mean if you don't confess and repent, he's not going to bring you through it? No, God's grace is there. But he calls us to confession and repentance to restore that relationship with him that's broken and fractured. And if our situation is from our own doing, we got to come clean. First John 1 John 1.9, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Psalm 32.5 I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Secondly, if your trials or your hardships and your sufferings are a result in walking in obedience to Jesus, then here's the deal rejoice. Rejoice and praise the Lord. James 1, verse 2 through 4, Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet or when you fall into trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. The Apostle Paul had his thorn in the flesh, Jesus didn't take it from him. In fact, when the Apostle Paul came to faith in Jesus, Jesus said, you will suffer for my name's sake. So that goes against this, this thing that I see more and more. And it's folks that are well-intentioned. We cannot always claim healing from the Lord. We can't. We're in corruptible bodies. And these corruptible bodies 
It's a glorious gift that these are corruptible because that means that this life is not it. It means that we have a glorified body that Jesus is going to be giving us a moment we're with him. And it is so hard, I get it, it is so hard to give thanks when you or when a loved one are going through one of the most awful things that you can experience, a chronic illness, a disease. Any kind of infirmity. Second Corinthians 12, 1-10 through 10. So keep So to keep me from becoming conceited, Paul writes, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me. To keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. That's the Apostle Paul. I mean like Mr. Superhero Apostle. Three times he pleaded with God to take this thorn of the flesh from him. But Jesus said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. So what does Paul say? I went to him again and again and again. No, Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses. Insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let me ask this again. Can you find peace, comfort, and joy in the providence of God when the infirmities and the ailments remain? I've been where Paul's at with my wife. From the years of 2009 to 15, she was in bed more than she was out and out of the house. Many family get-togethers missed by her. Me driving down by myself, you know, leaving the girls at our grandparents at her grandparents' house, driving back by myself. Many times yelling at the top of my voice in the car, "Lord, what are you doing to my wife?" Shame on me. I've almost lost her three times. But God. I remember her telling me when we were dating, a number of the doctors, she's been seeing doctors on a regular basis since she was 15. A couple of them said, yeah, don't expect really to live to be very old. Probably your body is probably going to give out. But God, even if I had one day with her as my wife and then the Lord took her home, it was worth it. When you have trials and sufferings that you go through, Do you think Jesus loves you less or not at all? He loves you more than you know.
came across this late Friday night, and I already sent Tyler my, my slides and notes. We have a number of folks here who have been on the front lines of fighting the abortion issue that's in our country. God bless them. But to take life in any form, in the womb, outside the womb, euthanasia for the elderly that are deemed useless eaters, by people today, living today in the World Economic Forum. Did you know in Canada since 2016 they've been encouraging people to do assisted suicides? Since 2016. And now, get this, more than 10,000 Canadians died with assisted suicide from the medical community in Canada. Up, to, up 32% from 2020 and accounting for 3.3% of all deaths in Canada. Starting next March and three months from now, Canada will allow people suffering solely from mental illness to seek euthanasia. Persons with disabilities may decide to end their lives because of broader social factors such as loneliness, social, iso social isolation, isolation, and lack of access to quality social services. The social assumption might follow that it is better to be dead than live with a disability. Lord, help us. This is today, folks. One of the leading causes of death in kids is suicide. Kids that think that they have no other way. It's not just kids anymore. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But God. They think that they have no other way out. And they have the enemy whispering and yelling in their ears and in their heads, you are not worth it. When because Jesus died on the cross for every single one of us, that is what makes us worthy, that he died for us. Can you find lasting peace, comfort, and joy in God's providence? John 9 Verses 2 and 3, and this is what I love. The Bible talks about every situation that you might face. The man who was born blind and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? It's almost still the conventional thought today. Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Johnny Erickson Tata, a lot of you probably are familiar with her, diving accent when she was a teenager, made her paralyzed from the neck down. 
Someone asked her, what is the first thing you're going to do when you get your new body in heaven? She said, I'm going to fall on my face in front of Jesus. Not run along the streets made of gold. Not run across the sea of glass. Fall on her face in front of Jesus. What weapon do we have? Glad you asked. <laughs> the sword of the Spirit, which is the very Word of God. Another amazing weapon we have is prayer. The song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, one of my favorite ones. The last verse talks about when we're standing before Jesus, there will be no longer any need for prayer. Amazing thought. We won't have to pray anymore when we're face to face. Isn't that amazing? We'll be able to talk with them. And prayer gives us a lifeline to our Savior to align our will to His, put our very lives and the lives of our loved ones in His hands and say from the depths of our hearts and souls, not my will, Lord, but yours. A couple different situations here. My sister being in the hospital, there's seven different times that she should have and could have died. Pastor Lutzer, his wife Rebecca, was instrumental in helping Janet and me navigate that time as Janet was my sister's power of attorney. Mrs. Lutzer prayed over her. I prayed over my sister. And I rebuked the enemy from her. This is in the Chicagoland area. And I am thankful for our medical system. It's deteriorating. But I'm still thankful for it. But there are some hospitals that are not looking out for the best interest of the patients. We had to fire doctors. We had to fire nurses from my sister's care. They tore a hole in my sister's esophagus trying to extubate her too early and not taking all the necessary precautions. And then trying to re-intubate her, that was a whole different story. Whole slew of different things on that. And the night before, they were saying, what are we going to do? Are we going to go in and do a surgery here? Doctor was kind of like, I don't know, man, it's 50-50. I went and I laid my head on her, my hand on her head, and I rebuked on her. And I said, Lord, please, if it's your will, heal my sister. But if not, you are still good. I was sending out updates on a daily thing because a lot of a lot of people were praying for my sister. And in there I put, if not, if God decides in his mercy and his provision not to heal her, he's still good. She was healed overnight. The terror is miraculously not there anymore. The power of prayer. One of our cousins who lives in Norway, her name is Helen. We've been praying for her. What's some good that came out of the thing with my sister. Helen, a non-Christian, set up a Zoom call 
for everyone around the world and around the country to pray for my sister that night. A non-Christian setting up a Zoom call so people can pray. Pulmonologist told her when she left the hospital November 1st of 2021, you are a walking miracle. My wife's ongoing battle with Lyme. They diagnose Lyme by the number of symptoms you have. Not the blood test. Blood tests can be persnickety. She had at one time 66 symptoms. At one time, she was on 17 different meds at the same time. Now she's on no regular meds, and she's down to five symptoms. Praise God indeed. But if not, God is still good. Then you have the well-intentioned folks. When Janet was going through some really hard treatment, there's another sister in the Lord who was going through a lot of physical situations and situations herself medically. I've heard it said that these people are called well-intentioned dragons. <laughs> but she told my wife that you can claim your healing, Janet. You know that, right? You can claim it. No. What happened to Paul? What happened to the disciples that were martyred for their faith? Where was their superhero to come take them out of that horrific death that they faced? What do you call good and what do you call superhero? That was actually, again, well-intentioned friend, but it's actually a pretty cruel thing to say. Just being honest. Because sometimes the answer is no. And what do you do when the answer is no? Where do you go? If you don't have Jesus, then the enemy's going to be screaming in your head that you're a useless eater, that you're worthless. You have no value. It's the George Bailey syndrome for you. You're worth more dead than alive. If you're, if you're the believer, to live is Christ and die is gain. <laughs> Very dear friend of ours, her name is Cindy. You might have seen this message come across the prayer emails. She's in stage five kidney failure. 10% left of her kidney is working. She's been battling to get on the, the transplant list for a year. The medical system is denying her right to be on that list because of her personal decision not to be vaccinated. And due to her medical condition and her compromised immune system, they actually say you should not be vaccinated with those kind of situations. She lives in Minnesota. And a hospital in Chicago said that they would actually do the surgery 
I've actually offered to let her take one of my kidneys. But there's this obstacle every step of the way. She's a divorced single mom trying to make it with grown kids. She's in her mid-50s. Even if she had the money to pay for this herself because she's on state aid, couldn't do it. You can't do it without insurance. (laughs) And at times with her talking to Janet, she said, why does it seem that God hates me? I understand that question. I understand where that comes from. If you look in the Psalms, King David came pretty close to saying the exact same thing many times. But I love how the Holy Spirit, writing in and through him, brings it back around. Comes back to praising God. Aligning his will with God's. Sinclair Ferguson said, people hate the will of God because it's not theirs. Youch. And that begs the age-old question, why do good things happen to bad people? Why do bad things happen to good people? Romans 3.10 says, no one is righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23, all of sin falls short of the glory of God. Everything, including our very next breath, guys, is dependent upon the grace of God. So where do we go from here? Well, check out our guy Paul. Philippians 4, 11-13. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation... I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. (laughs) In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need, because I can do all things through Him, Jesus, who strengthens me. And I love this. Here's a bonus verse. Check this out. Bonus verse, verse 14. Paul says, Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And that word share means to have fellowship in my trouble, in my sufferings. What a gift that God uses his family to come around us when we need us the most. This is what the body of Christ does, guys. In the men's ministry, we've been going through the armor of God. And this last piece we went through is the shield of faith. Shields were as big as a door, and they interlocked to make like kind of this protective shell. When someone was down, the soldier would come, and they'd put their shields around and protect them. When there was arrows lit on fire, they would have leather that was soaked in water to diffuse those fiery darts and arrows the moment they hit that shield and take the the danger and take the potential death away. This is what we're here to help each other. 
And what has blown Janet and me away especially is the amount of love and actual care that this church lavishes on each other. It is, tr- it is, it is so rare, guys. Let me just tell you, what, is, what, God, what the Lord is doing in this church is rare. Praise God it's here. Praise God. So why does God heal some and not others? Or for those who don't believe, why does God favor you and not me? What will you do if your healing never comes and God says no? Well, here's the deal. Once you are rooted in reality, from a biblical standpoint, and from who Jesus is, and how much he loves you, and the fact that Jesus wasn't murdered, his life wasn't taken from him. He gave up his life. And he chose the moment he would take his last breath. And the moment he took his last breath was the exact same moment that the Passover lamb was being slaughtered in the temple. Jesus being our Passover lamb. If your faith is an experience, anything that happens to you that rocks your world, it's going to upset your faith. But nothing can never upset God or the almighty reality of redemption. You need to base your faith on on that. This life is not it, guys. This life, this world is not our reward because if this is it, if this is all we have, that is one lame consolation prize. And this is why so many people turn away from Jesus. They didn't get what they thought they need at the time that they needed. If your God always does what you want, when you want, it's not the God of the Bible, and you will be forever miserable and bitter, drowning in your own failure. Boy, Dave, thanks for this uplifting message to start out 2023. Holy smokes. There is a light, guys. There is a light. Charles Spurgeon said, Unbelief will destroy the best of us. Faith will save the worst of us. Do you know where you're truly at? Jeremiah 17.9 The heart is is deceitfully wicked. Beyond cure, who can truly understand how wicked our hearts truly are? We are to align our will daily, minute by minute, to God's will. Complete, utter faith. Dependency on Jesus. So that we can say, with that writer of that incredible song, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, thank you, it is well with my soul. Just as a crucible, you have to put gold in the crucible, one of the hottest ovens, 
has to be lit on fire to get all the impurities out of it. So all that's left is goodness and pure gold. Being in a fire with Jesus will refine you too. And it sanctifies you and it makes you more like him. And why does he do this? Because he loves you. So I'm just going to ask one more time. Can you fully trust in the providence of God? Can you find your peace, your comfort, and your joy in the providence of God even when it looks like He's lost control of the situation or that He's ticked off at you for whatever reason? And that's not the case. It's all about our perspective and belief in who Jesus is. Jesus is the ultimate good guy. He saved us from the power of sin, death, and Satan. I love what Romans 5, verse 6 says. When we are utterly helpless, Christ came at when? Just the right time. And died for us sinners. <laughs> but God. Have you put your complete faith and trust in the ultimate superhero, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords? That song that we sang, Joy to the World, you know that's not a Christmas song? Fun fact, it's talking about his second coming when he comes as King Jesus. <laughs> One of my favorite songs. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for you sending your Son to die in our place at just the right time. We didn't deserve it. Your, your word says while we were still sinners, while we were enemies of God, Christ died for us. Lord, if there's anyone here in your house this morning or watching online. There are many folks that watch online. Let them know that they are missed, that we pray for them, that you love them. And we are very thankful that they could join us today and every, day, and every Sunday that they join us here online. But if there's anyone in the sound of my voice, Lord, I just pray, if they don't know you as Savior, all they got to do is just ABCs of the gospel. Admit, acknowledge that they're a sinner. Repent of their sins. Say, Lord, I'm done trying to do this on my own. I surrender and I put my 100% faith and trust in you and in you alone. You died in the cross for my sins. You were buried and you rose again victoriously just as you promised three days later, defeating sin, death, and Satan. And then believe in their heart that Jesus died for their sins. It was buried. God raised them from the dead, trusting in their whole heart that Jesus Christ is who he said he was. Because Romans 10, Lord, verses 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen, Lord. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. 
and then see, Lord, all they got to do is just call in the name of the Lord. Romans 10.13, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Rock-solid promise, Father. Thank you. Today is the day of your salvation, dear brother, dear sister. Lord, thank you. We love you and we trust you, Jesus. In your name, amen.